When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. Somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Smart Strong features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back, the smart way. Welcome to Smart Strong. I'm Ben James and I'm with my good friend and co-host Jacob Stain. Morning, Jacobus. Good morning. So this is the very first Smart Strong podcast and Smart Strong was a company that we've set up because effectively we believe that back pain can be managed better. And in the world that we live in and the lives that we lead and the sedentary nature of those lives, we kind of got a loss of movement and we believe and we have an interest in functional movement and rehabilitation and that's really uh, why we've started this podcast why we started this company to help more people take control get reassurance and ultimately get back to the activities they love so in the first podcast we talk a little bit about ourselves because we want to put a bit of context behind who we are what we do and also we're going to talk about disc injury or disc herniation slip disc as it's commonly called because that seems to be a common uh, issue that people face with back injury or back pain. It also seems to be something that people fear. And more importantly, I guess, for this podcast, it has an important uh, history for Jacob in terms of how he's got to this place and this position and why he's doing what he's doing and believing what he's believing. So I guess, Jacob, a good starting point on that note would be for you to give a bit of an intro about yourself and then I can do the same and then we can jump right into to the detail. All right. I am uh, <clears throat> I'm a chiropractor and I work in the Netherlands. Uh, I know you, Ben, because we studied together in, Eng- in England where we did our chiropractic uh, education. And um, after that, I moved to the Netherlands. I started working here uh, eight years ago to be exact. As I started working, um, maybe I shouldn't speak about my uh, disc problem yet. I will just tell a little bit more about what I do. Yeah. So um, I, I have my own practice here in a place called Nijmegen. I'm also involved in a CrossFit gym where I train people and I help the, the coaches and the, the trainers, the owners, with their, um, their approach in terms of safety and making sure that we focus more on um, exercises that actually strengthen people in the long run and, you know, to avoid uh, joint problems and uh, CrossFit training, which is quite a harsh way of training, becoming a problem on the, the musculoskeletal problem, uh, musculoskeletal systems of the, 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 the athletes where we train. So my passion really is um, chiropractic through a functional approach. So, you know, I like to get people mobile, but also very stable in uh, their everyday life. Um, that's also why I see a lot of uh, uh, average patients, you know, people who sit behind a desk or who drive vehicles for a, for a job. Um, and that's really what I do. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and like you say, we met when we studied chiropractic specifically at um, the Anglo-European College of Chiropractic down in Bournemouth and um, I too went in to a career as a chiropractor Um, but 
I guess differently to you, I was in a clinic that it wasn't so much high volume, but it was very much around keeping those patients coming back for kind of pain-free treatment over the long term. And that made me a little bit disillusioned um, with the industry, I guess, because it didn't really sit well for me ethically to be trying to get patients back in the longer term. I believed in in maintenance treatment for certain patients because of certain patients that you can only get a certain percentage better. But And there were also a certain percentage of patients that, that weren't prepared to help themselves, let's be honest. And I think over here in the UK, we grow up with a free healthcare system and sometimes patients or individuals believe that they can go and get a quick fix or a pill, um, which as we know and as we believe is not going to ultimately help um, with back pain, certainly not in the long term, certainly not in terms of resilience to injury and reoccurrence. And so I, at the time, left uh, work as a as a chiropractor, went into the medical industry and worked in medical sales, supporting orthopaedic surgeons with reconstruction of anterior cruciate ligament injuries and shoulder injuries, etc. But I came across a lot of patients or I came across a lot of surgical cases, should I say, during my work that involved disc and back surgery and fixation of the lumbar spine. And that, again, I guess, re-evoked that passion in the back and back health. And during that time, as you know, because we've spent a lot of time together, trained together, I've done a lot of work in functional exercise and training myself and helped friends and, and family and reached this point, which is why we've come together to say, actually, you know, this can be done better. And how can we reach a larger audience? How can we help to educate and give back control, I guess, to a lot of people? Because I think if if they're educated and have a bit more knowledge, then there's an opportunity for certainly a good proportion of people to, to help themselves get better. I think we agree. Absolutely. Uh, to add to that, my my ultimate goal is to get your your average guy, men and women, just back to normal function and to, like you mentioned, work on the resilience to to their job or maybe they have children, you know, so they uh, they don't feel like it's a strain, but in fact can actually enjoy their bodies. And that's the main goal for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that's. That's the real motivation here, isn't it? That um, you know, from a personal point of view, again, seeing a lot of people leading those sedentary lives in office work or in sales roles, driving around in cars all day. I think sometimes that lack of knowledge is is the enemy of a lot of people because if they just had a bit more awareness and a bit more knowledge about the back and about general musculoskeletal health, then I think people would be a lot more active, but they'd be uh, also, I guess, prepared to develop those daily habits that are going to contribute to better spine health, for one thing, and better overall health ultimately as well. So I guess this podcast really is the, the start of that journey or part of that journey alongside the, the tools and information that we're creating to help, I guess, that lay person, shall we say, to help themselves. Yep, couldn't agree more. So I guess a good a good next step would be to talk more in depth about the disc and your experiences of disc pain because that's really I guess the start of your journey 
down this route to functional training, rehabilitation and movement um, has been that experience that you had when you first went into practice um, following your own problems. Yeah, it's a long story, but I'll try to keep it short, try to get um, get to the points that makes it interesting. Um, so I, I've always been very active and always been, uh, you know, I just had this natural tendency to be, uh, uh, to, to enjoy sport, especially growing up in South Africa, having done a lot of sport throughout school. And, you know, mostly growing up outside barefoot until you're about 14. And I really enjoyed that. And obviously I wanted to keep uh, being uh, active, especially when I went to England, seeing that people are a lot less active. I made it a point to keep training. Like you said, when we were in, uh, at college um, in England, we were training together. It was a lot of fun. <clears throat> and back then it, it went quite well with my back and I didn't have a problem. But towards the end of my study, uh, especially in the last year, started having problems with my back. And of course, being, um, you know, coming from a background where I was very strong, generally overall in my body, I didn't think it would be a problem. I thought it would, would be just another, you know, little couple of weeks and my back would be good again. But I had a very stressful time. I went back to South Africa. I, um, I, I, I was very busy. Uh, I, I, maybe I, I would actually say maybe I overtrained, trained my core in the wrong way, did too much. And I came to the Netherlands to start work here and I had a, a bit of a stressful time. It was in the beginning of the winter, didn't know anybody, had to learn a new language, new country, new job. And within a, a month of working here, I, uh, I woke up one morning with uh, excruciating pain down my leg, all the way to my uh, foot. And I immediately knew that it was a hernia um, because it could only be one thing if it's that bad. and. It, the line of pain went all the way from my from my from my uh, my left buttock all the way to my foot, and um, yeah, uh, you know, I I had in most cases more pain than my patients. Um, obviously, I kept it to myself. Um, for me, it was it was quite a, a daunting experience to feel like I'm sitting in a wheelchair and not being able to do. Well, I could I could do very little with my body, and especially in the morning, I. Um, the first hour I was trotting around, you know, hopping on my right leg because I couldn't step on my left leg until I could, uh, I got going and, and then I could, you know, I, I took a hot shower and I, I got moving and at work as well. If I would sit, sit down for a while, uh, getting moving again was, was ex extremely painful and the pain was there 24 hours, you know, you wake up with it, you go to bed with it. Um, I think that's probably the worst aspect of it, like the constant pain. And, um, yeah, so after three months of, of having mainly chiropractic manipulation, I had about 5% uh, improvement because maybe because I, I was still working, I didn't stop working. And um, I realized that I need to do something because this is, this is not good, it's not going to get better. And I knew about uh, Professor Stuart McGill, I knew he was giving courses in England. Uh, we knew quite well about him uh, from our from our studies also, and but obviously I, I never really went quite deep into his work. He was giving a course in the UK at our college, um, 
and I knew I had to go there. So after three months of having my hernia, having chiropractic treatment, I went off to the UK. I went to his course, and uh, two weeks after his course of just applying the things that I learned from him, um, two weeks later, I had about 50-60% improvement. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that was significant. You can imagine if you have constant pain and with almost no improvement and within one to two weeks you have a 50-60% improvement. What a uh, eye-opener that was and also um, it felt like I was giving, oh, I had hope, you know, I had new hope yeah, yeah. that this problem would, that there's a solution for this problem and that at that point it, it was very daunting for me because I, I thought, you know, I'm a chiropractor, it's, it's terrible that this is happening to me and my uh, career is, uh, is, is looking very bad, the future of it, and, um, and it gave me a lot of hope. So gave you a unique uh, perspective from the patient as well, didn't it? Because, I mean, it's, yeah. it's quite a fear, fearful thing from a lot of people, I guess, when they, and you've, you'll know from treating patients as well, that they come in and, and there's that fear that they're never going to get better. And I suppose one question that people might be asking is, did that leave you a little bit disillusioned at the beginning if someone was just manipulating your lower back? Did you start thinking or questioning what you were doing or did you just think that there was a, a better way? What was what was going through your mind at that point? I, I kind of already had a the idea that the functional training aspect is how you get somebody um, to stay well in the long term, you know, yeah. by not only manipulating and actually working on the stability, training somebody, teaching them also how to move better, especially at their, at their job if they do repetitive things. I mean, I had the idea and I knew that that was better. But to, to experience it firsthand, um, I think that just manifests my, uh, manifested back then my, what I thought and my, my feelings and it made me very passionate and it, it, uh, about how I will approach it, patients in the future, um, as I have the last years. Yeah. But yeah, it was, for me, it was, it was a big deal, um, because, you know, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very ambitious and I want to help a lot of people and I want to do great things with my career. Um, so I take it very seriously and obviously I took it very serious when I realized that this is a, such an eye-opening experience to see how a few very basic exercises which would fall under a functional approach compared to just being manipulated for this problem which gets treated a lot by chiropractors, in this case my, my low back hernia, but where a few of these exercises made such a big difference in such a short time, just because they were pressing the right buttons. Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, obviously that was a, a mind shift for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's going back to what I was saying about my experience in initially in, in that initial practice. Um, it kind of is a shame, I guess that, that more focus is not 
given to functional exercise and movement and rehabilitation by numerous different practitioners, not just chiropractors, osteopaths, and, and even some physios as well, I guess, that um, getting patients moving and getting patients moving properly is so fundamentally important. Why are more people not doing it? And is that just simply because it takes more time or is it a lack of interest or is it a lack of knowledge, do you think? I, I think um, there are numerous factors that you can consider here, but I think uh, one big factor is, the f that, is that we get comfortable in the system which we place or put the patients in. So we, have a, we create a system and we, op we often want to push everybody through the system. And this is a, a sort of comfort zone where we um, we can control the system, we can control the treatment time, we can control the treatment. Some people will get better and others won't. And I think we have to leave that mindset and we have to, you know, you have to be open and ready to treat everybody that walks through the door as an individual with a, a, a completely individual approach. Yeah. And that's how you can that's how you can pull out the, the different uh, tools that you need for that specific problem. And I think um, that's where if you see a lot of patients a day and uh, especially in high volume practices, there's there are there are just no there is just no room for the individual approach. Then you have you rely on the system that you create because there's just not enough time, surely to yeah. to be doing to take an individual approach and I guess based on what you've said there do you think that when we're talking individual approach clearly the individual approach is for the person that is suffering from pain at that moment in time is the person that is not yet suffering pain or has has had an episode of back pain are there not a systematic approach, but certainly from a functional point of view, do you think that there's a more streamlined approach for people in terms of prevention and longer-term resilience when they're out of pain? From the point of view of, I guess, people listening that might say, well, I've had a, I've had a back um, issue before, I'm not in pain at the moment, I saw somebody, it didn't really help. Is there anything that they can do now or some specific things that or advice that they could take to avoid it in the future? Or is there, again, an individual approach needed for, for absolutely everybody? And therefore, how do people know who to see and know where to get the best advice? Obviously, um, our website being one of them as we, uh, as we grow and develop our content. Yeah, that's a, a complex question. Um, let me break it down a little bit. Um, I think that as a, as a practitioner or a therapist, you always have to be open for um, the individual approach. So um, where I treat people, I, you know, I'm, I'm listening and I'm looking for, uh, if I have a patient that comes in on a regular basis, maybe they come in and every, every two or three months uh, to have everything loosened up. I will look and listen that if there's something that's, sticking out in terms of an injury that they recently uh, have undergone or, or something, and, uh, some kind of strain that they, they had because they worked in the garden or something like that. The idea is to 
um, to, to go back to the individual approach and do a few tests and try to find out what is the problem there. Uh, do they have a weakness? Um, uh, is something not working well? Uh, is there an injury that needs to be looked at? I think that's very, that it's a good thing if you take that sort of approach. I think the problem is if you, you like I said, if you chuck everybody with a shoulder injury or a, you know upper back injury, um, let's say a, a knee injury and a low back injury, you, you put all of them through a system where you manipulate and loosen as much as you can in the, in the spine and maybe at some extremity joints and hope that they get better. Sometimes it's good to do that if you have somebody, like you said, who comes back for prevention, who um, he, you know, might be a, a person who sits a lot behind the desk. He has a very stiff back. He's not very motivated to move much more than going walking twice a week. Um, you know, the, the, this uh, type of patient is um, will definitely benefit from having you manipulating the spine and some extremity joints uh, once in two months, for example, or once in three months. There's no doubt that this person will benefit if you keep the joints loose by manipulating it from time to time. But if somebody comes in and you just put them through the system instead of actually screening them with a few tests to check if there's something you can do extra, especially from a functional approach, just to get them back on track or to take care of the inhibition because the brain is now stuck in a certain way of steering a certain group of muscles because of an injury they had when they worked in the garden a week ago. If you miss those things, this is not good. You know, um, uh, did I explain that well, Ben? Yeah, yeah. And I think an, another great example, um, you know, going back to your kind of system-based um, approach or avoidance of, should we say, you know, I was speaking to a, a friend recently and giving them some advice who um, had recently given birth and suffering a lot of back pain, SI joint. And if you, you know, take that same approach and put them into a, a lot of clinics, then the classic approach would have been to manipulate that joint. But the reality is the ligaments becoming more lax during childbirth, etc. That joint was more likely to be and, and clearly to be in my mind, but certainly um, having looked further and questioned further, hypermobile, not hypomobile. So clearly manipulating that joint is going to have no benefit whatsoever. And unless you're going to be looking at joints around it and a functional approach to glute bridge strengthening those glute muscles and ultimately yeah making that joint more stable again absolutely um, yeah so yes. i think you know absolutely sure. as you say there's there's got to be an individual approach and and history taken certainly to weed out those key factors that that could be problematic for that individual whether it be work posture whether it be um, an old injury etc etc um, but I agree. I think, you know, those patients that, that are suffering from some stiffness and are only prepared to do a certain amount of exercise, then clearly passive care is, is going to be important to keep them uh, at the optimum, I guess. Not the most optimum, because if they were prepared to put more input themselves and they would get better. But I think you're never going to get everybody 100% better unless some people are prepared to help themselves, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of part of the job of the therapist or the practitioner is 
to try and uh, explain to to our patients what it means to take a little bit of responsibility and go out there and make some effort and make sure that your body gets the right movement. Um, and if you can educate them on, on all the changes that the body undergoes when they make this effort, I think you're already doing a great job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And going back to your um, herniated disc, I guess a, a, another common misconception for a lot of people is I did something I must have done something specific that caused that problem and for you you mentioned overtraining there was obviously not likely to be one significant uh, injury Cause. or factor or whatever it might be that, that caused that problem where, where do you think that issue came from in terms of giving some advice for people because I, I guess the best um, outcome was that you're, you got better, you're able to get better. And as we know, people with back pain, suffering back problems can absolutely get better. Um, but where do you think your issue came from? Yeah. Um, I remember at uh, just before our last exams, at least my final exams, um, I was sitting a lot and I was also working in a shop where I had to cycle quite uh, quite far to get to and I had a usually had a big backpack on my back and I I was on my mountain bike and I was going quite fast and so my low back was taking strain and then I was in the gym where we used to train and I, I at that point I was doing wood chops so or you know like a wood chop movement with a cable in your hands and I was actually keeping my hips still, and I was chopping with my shoulders, rotating on my hips. So rotating um, through the spine. Rotating through the spine, exactly, with a little bit of a little bit of little bit of flexion. Okay. So that was just terrible for my spine, and I I thought I was doing the right thing at that point, you know. But I mean, it, it's difficult to say that I did that now that I know how bad that is for you. And I was I was doing it with 70 kilograms, for example, 70, 80 kilograms. So I was uh, there was a lot of movement. I was creating a hell of a lot of instability in my low back. Uh, that was going through this through the the disc in my in my low back spine, and so that's where it started. And then I sat a lot during my exams, and that was really not good. And I'm sure that's where the you know I had this dull, deep, unusual low back pain that it just didn't go away. And it wasn't really an intense pain, but it was present, and I didn't quite know what it was. And then I went to South Africa, and there I was doing some barefoot running on a gravel road, and that was a lot of pounding on my back. And again, I was, you know, I was sitting um, in these high bar stools on the on high bar stools outside, talking to my family a lot. So it was a very, it wasn't the best posture that I had most of the time. And then I, after a few weeks there, I was ready to come to the Netherlands. I came here and um, I went almost straight into work. And I, 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 you know, if you're stressed in the beginning of your first job, you have to speak a, a new language and you are in a different country. And I didn't know anybody here in the beginning of the winter. My posture during work wasn't, you know, my, 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 my technique of how I use my body when I was treating my patients wasn't my first priority so 
Yeah. If I think back, I was, you know, I was hanging through my back. I was, I was, I, I still, I still had to get into the flow of, okay, how am I going to protect my body when I have a very long day of seeing patients and my back suffered. And so I think I also had a fair bit of stress. I think that definitely had something to do with it. And yeah, after a few weeks, I, I like I said, I woke up one morning with uh, excruciating pain. And so I know it was a combination of things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely, and and I think that's that was always the message for a lot of people. It, it, there might have been a an incident that they said, "Oh, yeah, that that definitely caused it," but that was, as we say in in the UK, the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, it wasn't that alone. It would have been factors and uh, maybe lifestyle or repetitive activities or incorrect activities at the gym over a sustained period of time that that led to the problem. And and that one yeah. incident really just tipped you over the edge, I guess. That's it. That's it. In the Netherlands, we say it was the last drop that caused the bucket to overflow. Okay. I never I never heard this one before. <laughs> <laughs> similar similar concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I think one, that's I think that's it, and that kind of draws back to our real belief and and focus moving forward is that it is really that repetitive, often sedentary um repetition that that is leading to these back problems and leading to these issues that people just aren't aware of and it's about work postures it's about daily habits it's about uh, breaks and those small things that you can do that ultimately over a sustained period of time are going to make a world of difference to the discomfort you suffer or avoiding any discomfort at all and and keeping yourself resilient to injury and I think that's where um, we hope to take this further is those snippets of information video content and uh, and obviously the podcast that will ultimately help to educate people to understand and have a better awareness of their backs uh, as well as other joints in in the body and other uh, you know other areas of health I guess to to be to be healthier in the long term i want to i want to add just one thing then if i can and that is uh you know i we were talking about the the, the the all the causes that or factors that contributed to my episode of a uh, low back hernia there's there's one important thing i didn't mention and that is that you know generally i was strong throughout my body but i didn't have the core strength to cope with my uh, with with my tasks and the things I had to do, not only core strength, I didn't have the posterior chain strength in combination with the core strength to um, to to stand against the things that my body had to go through mm-hmm. uh, when it came to my job or maybe cycle to work, uh, like I said, with a backpack, <clears throat> with a heavy backpack. So. That's a big deal, and that's what I what I got from the McGill course. I learned uh, uh, a hell of a lot about obviously the rehabilitation, but also afterwards strengthening my core in a way where um, I'm not putting that many forces through my spine, but more working with the musculature and the stability factor, sparing my spine, mm-hmm. where I can now have a long day, and of course my back will be a little bit tired and stiff, but. I wouldn't, my back is now uh, 
completely bomb-proof. I can go through a lot, and I, I don't have any problems. You know, and uh, that's what I was really missing in terms of. You know, now I'm hang I'm hanging over my patients, so I'm stooping forward or I'm I'm hinging through the hips, so I'm hanging on my posterior chain and my core is doing its work. And so that's just one thing I wanted to mention about uh, the uh, yeah one of the other factors that was not well causing a big part of the cause yeah absolutely i think that's you know going back to the the gym setting and uh, and abs in particular you know unfortunately a lot of the common uh, exercises for for abdominal strength are exercises that do put a lot of pressure through the lower back and could be contributing to injury or even exacerbating injury for those that that are already suffering um, the classic office worker sat in a chair all day in uh, flexed posture, goes to the gym and then starts doing uh, abdominal curls, you know, is just, again, repeating that motion further, but often with uh, weight added. And, you know, fundamentally over the long term, that's that's going to be detrimental to to their lower back. So I think you're right, that core strength, but that core strength in the right way is so, so important because people are just too keen to throw a lot of weight behind it. And actually, there's a lot of exercise and a lot of movements that you could do to improve your core strength that are going to be far more uh, beneficial to the spine than, than most. Yeah, we're going to speak a lot more about um, core strength in the right way, as you mentioned, because that's that's a big focus that we're going to be discussing and going to... Uh, yeah talk a lot more about yeah absolutely and 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 with that um just to put into context what what we're looking to do in terms of these podcasts and uh putting uh, information together alongside the podcast putting video content alongside the podcast so that ultimately we can you know share that knowledge ultimately to help people help themselves so as we grow, as we could develop, um, we'll get the YouTube channel up and running, and uh, alongside the the website, which is which is launched, we'll um, yeah we'll be bringing more content and we'll be doing a weekly podcast. So certainly listen in, keep uh, keep your eyes out, subscribe on the website, and uh, as we grow and develop, we'll be we'll be sharing more information, sharing more content, and ultimately getting getting people back to doing the activities that they they want to be doing because ultimately that's. That's the aim, giving people confidence, giving people reassurance to get back to doing what they want to do because no one wants to be suffering from back pain and no one wants to be um, losing confidence in, in doing those things they love. So uh, that's our message and that's certainly our our aim and the start of the journey here today. So keep listening in, keep subscribing and uh, share some comments on um, on iTunes as well because um, the more people we can reach, the more people we can help. So uh, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, Jacob. And we'll, um, we'll be back soon.